Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of our weekly insights call. Um, my name is Charles Prudeau, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Azad Zangana, um, who is going to be talking, as usual, uh, about matters uh, economic uh, and what's going on more broadly. As before, this is now a recorded podcast, and we're very grateful uh, to all of you listening to this. Uh, please continue to give us feedback because we greatly value it uh, and always seek to improve these calls going forward. In terms of the week just gone, um, the things that I thought I would highlight are really, it, it sort of starts and ends, and obviously we're going to spend quite a lot of time talking about this today, uh, with the escalation of the trade war with China um, uh, and the states. Uh, Trump escalated his, uh, his rhetoric uh, by formally raising tariffs on um, uh, $200 billion worth of Chinese goods um, to 25% from their former level of, of 10%. Uh, and we've got this kind of battle of headlines as the early part of this week, indeed over the weekend, uh, the Chinese uh, started um, to retaliate. Um, from an economic standpoint, Probably the big uh, call out, though, uh, was what was going on in the Eurozone. And again, I'll come back to this uh, in the conversation with Azad, uh, where we had German uh, industrial production data uh, strongly beating consensus expectations. And this is something that Azad has been calling out very consistently in the early part of this year, uh, the idea that uh, everyone had got slightly too pessimistic about Eurozone growth. Uh, the pickup in particular was, uh, was quite broad-based, but driven by construction. Uh, which had its fastest rate of quarterly growth in three years. Um, and similarly, Eurozone retail sales, again, coming back to that theme of real disposable income improvement, Eurozone retail sales also surprised the upside. 1.9% um, um, was what we saw, uh, and in particular on the back of uh, continued strength in services. Meantime, in the UK, we had Q1 GDP, um, a rise of 0.5%. Uh, that was in line with expectations um, with uh, decent household spending, but uh, but um, a lot of it down to the inventory build-up. Um, and again, we'll pick up on that when Azad talks uh, in a moment about Brexit and fears of Brexit, surrounding Brexit, caused quite a lot of that stockpiling um, that helped drive that growth number I just quoted. Um, and then finally, uh, going across um, to, uh, to, to, to China, um, as I said a moment ago, uh, levels of retaliation being talked about um, in terms of, uh, of tariffs. And really the issue there um, is around uh, how intellectual property uh, is or isn't going to get, uh, get treated. So um, Azad, with that as a kind of lead in, welcome. Thanks very much indeed, as usual, for being here. Kind of, let me start with a very simple question of in terms of these headlines that are unsettling markets, you know, what, what's going on? So initially, um, the decision by the um, White House, uh, the US administration to raise tariffs wasn't a total surprise. We, we'd heard stories that China had started to backtrack on some of the agreements uh, that had been negotiated over uh, recent months. Um, what came as a real disappointment was China's decision to then retaliate because it essentially now paves the way for even greater uh, uh, tariffs uh, being applied to the remaining trade relationship between the US and China. So the remaining $300 billion worth of exports from China to the US, currently untaxed, now are in the firing line. Right. And, um, and how meaningful is it? Uh, well, we are now getting to the sort of the business end of, of this trade war. Uh, the initial 
uh, increases on tariffs were on goods uh, that are largely traded between businesses. So um, US businesses would have really seen the, the pain of this so far. But now we're getting to the stage where it's going to start impacting consumer goods. And so households are going to start feeling the impact more, which means, of course, it will feed through into US inflation. Um, just the latest announced increase should add about half a percent to US inflation uh, this year. As early as that? Uh, yes, it, it should feed through within the next uh, few months, absolutely. And, and of course, we'll persist into for at least 12 months in the way that these things are calculated. And so that will presumably get Jerome Powell's attention? It will, but it, it puts him in a, a difficult spot because ultimately it, it, it's seen as a one-off increase in prices. It's not really uh, an increase in, in long-term inflation as such. The risk is, of course, if households react to this price increase by demanding higher wages, then you have the argument for tighter monetary policy. But of course, if we don't see the increase in wages, but we do see a squeeze on profitability, for example, or any kind of negative impact on the labour market, uh, then it could be the opposite argument. Actually, maybe they should be loosening policy. But it tends to suggest once more that there are kind of, uh, despite what the president might declare, that there are no winners. Uh, in trade spats like this? Absolutely. I, I, it's, it's very difficult <coughs> to identify any kind of winners long term from any trade dispute, unless, of course, you can uh, identify sort of unfair play, which, of course, the US is trying to point to. But I think we've, we've gone to quite extreme measures already. And from a market point of view, uh, clearly we'd had this um, uh, very strong run up um, in the kind of year to date picture. But of course, markets have been badly unsettled. And if I go back to the fourth quarter of last year, one of the things that was unnerving markets was uh, this very tension that we've now seen um, recreate uh, or reemerge in terms of market preoccupation. And monetary policy was very much associated with it also because of the fear that the Fed was going to over tighten. And now, given what you're saying, we're back where we are and monetary policy once again is going to potentially be under the microscope. Uh, and so a, a classic reason for the market to be selling off at this stage, um, the old adage, sell in May, go away. Is that something which you, you think holds muster, I think passes it's, muster? I think it's worth um, remembering that uh, back in December, January, we still had quite a hawkish Federal Reserve talking about raising interest rates at least once, maybe even twice uh, this year. They've now fully backed away from this um, and also announced that they will... Uh, bring quantitative tightening or the reversal of QE uh, to an end uh, as well. At the same time, we've had better uh, US uh, activity data, GDP data, and the earnings data from corporates has also outperformed. So I would argue, although we've had uh, essentially everybody's worst fears on trade play out, as we, we were concerned about in January, I think the economy and global environment has moved on quite considerably from that point. Right. So it's kind of more maturing. But from here, you're saying that, yes, we've got to get used to this kind of tension because it's not going to go away. Um, But from here, really, as usual, perhaps, it's about how that trajectory of corporate earnings plays out and hence your concern about the feed through to labour price inflation. Yes, there was always a concern that this these talks were or the, the deal that was on the table was a bit of a marriage of convenience. We had the Chinese economy slowing towards the back end of last year. Obviously, equities in the US were, were doing particularly poorly. So it made sense for both sides to step forward and, and come to talks. 
funnily enough, as the economy in the US has improved, and, and so has the Chinese economy, uh, those incentives have, have reduced. Now, maybe that the this new volatility will be, be a reminder. Will be a reminder, absolutely. Um, but the um, it's important to remember that both sides are still talking, and, and they will probably have a, a sit-down meeting at the next G20 summit. Um, so all is not lost. And uh, I think it's, well, certainly it's our team's view that they probably will still strike a trade deal probably around the end of this year, which will partially reverse some of the uh, tariffs that have just gone on. Well, European markets seem to be taking a slightly more sanguine view uh, this morning as I speak on Tuesday. Uh, and so, um, so so maybe they've been uh, heeding your wisdom. Um, let's move on to, um, to Europe. As I said in my introductory comments, um, the industrial production data out of Germany um, surprised on the upside uh, and vindicated views that you've definitely been expressing on these calls in the past. What's your latest lens on what's happening in Europe? Um, as you say, it's, it's a very important data point for us that, that we've had this turnaround in industrial production. We've been saying for a while that temporary factors have hurt uh, economic activity across Europe. Um, and is that the whole issue about water levels in the Rhine? And absolutely. So companies unable to import and export uh, raw materials and goods uh, down the Rhine because simply there wasn't a Rhine left. People were crossing it on, on foot. Um, at the same time, the introduction of new car emission testing meant that there was a huge backlog created of, of the provision of, of new auto vehicles. That's now starting to uh, pass. It's not fully gone, but uh, most of the negative impact from that has passed. And it's great to see now both retail sales and industrial production uh, pick up. Now, when we get the, the latest uh, German GDP figures, I suspect they will surprise to the upside on the back of these industrial production numbers. And we may even get some upward revisions to the, the Eurozone early estimates that we had only um, last week. But, I mean, think back. It was only January that uh, commentators and certainly investors were speculating that Europe was in recession. Right. And it's clearly turned out not to be the case. We're, we're seeing above-trend growth uh, once again. Unemployment is coming down. Wages are picking up. Um, the only sort of uh, piece of the puzzle that doesn't quite fit at the moment is the European Central Bank because they turned dovish in the last couple of months. Um, so maybe they were a little bit too soon in making that uh, change in their outlook. They may have to turn a little bit more hawkish later in the year. Yeah, that feels further out there in terms of the, the, the journey that Mr. Market's going on, though. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder whether uh, this reappraisal that you're highlighting, uh, whether that's going to be sufficient to catalyze uh, a reappreciation re of some of the more value-oriented stocks in the market. Yeah, I mean, don't forget these, um, I mean, European equities more generally were not only priced for recession, but they were priced for financial crises right. uh, as, 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 uh, as recently as January. So they are still reasonably good value even today, and despite the rally that we've had. Um, and so I, I'm not that surprised to see European equities in recent days outperform US equities, which are obviously suffering from the concerns around the trade war. Yes, and priced for a very different kind of scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah well, I think that's um, that's that's very important, um, uh, particularly for some of our listeners, given um, uh, given our position in European equities. Um, now, forgive me. I'm going to move on to um, our third topic, uh, which is Brexit. Um, I'll just emote a little bit about my own personal experience of Brexit, having kind of followed headlines eagerly up until Easter. Um, clearly then there was the Easter recess, uh, the deadline had passed, and it was kind of, you know, pencils down. Um, and now everyone has returned, and um, Parliament has returned. 
but I found myself finding it quite hard to re-engage. Um, so, Azad, it would be very helpful if you could just um, summarise kind of where are we again on this now, and, and in particular, what time frame uh, are we operating against? So I'm sure most people will remember the um, the deal that was struck with Europe um, last time round in that the deadline was pushed out to the 31st of October of this year, so Halloween deadline now uh, set, with a review sometime in June. Um, Theresa May, the Prime Minister, has decided to... So, sorry, just the, the review sometime in June, meaning review of progress or...? Review of progress and also... Um, a review of whether the UK is still sticking to the rules uh, and what I mean by this is specifically is whether the UK was going to hold um, or take part in uh, the EU's parliamentary elections which are coming up. Which of course we now are. Uh, yes, yes uh, formally we've, we've said that we will absolutely. Um, now um, the Prime Minister is currently in discussions with the opposition and um, the hope is that they can come to some kind of agreement that would lead to a another meaningful vote, um, which would um, ratify the existing uh, withdrawal agreement. If that can happen uh, before the twenty second of twenty uh, third of May, rather, uh, then those the UK would not have to hold those EU elections. And if that does happen at that point, then we're potentially looking at the first of August as the exit date uh, at that point. Um, I still think realistically it's, it's today the 14th of May yeah yeah I mean it still looks unrealistic I mean the those following the, the talks suggest that actually they're they're close to breaking down right now so I'm, I'm not holding out uh, much hope so um, it looks like we will have those elections the results will be announced on the 26th of May that's important because that's when we will probably see uh, quite heavy defeats for both the Conservative Party and the Labour Party. It might prompt a change in leadership in terms of Theresa May's own position. She's certainly under quite, under quite a lot of uh, pressure. And that in itself could delay the whole uh, pr process. Um, beyond the European elections, uh, the next EU summit of significance will be the 20th and 21st of June. That's when we will have that review of the UK's uh, progress. Assuming that they find no fault in what's been happening so far, then the next EU summit to watch out for is the 17th and 18th of October. That's the final one before the Halloween uh, deadline. So I would expect talks to intensify through September and pressure to really be ramped up sometime in October. Uh, and, I, and I suspect that's when we'll get the headlines back and the volatility as well. The risk is, of course, that actually as I sit here, um, you know, psychologically that's after the summer and therefore it feels quite a long way away, and the risk of it feeling quite a long way away is surely then the opportunity for further kind of positioning and posturing within UK Parliament. And so that kind of check-in on progress that you described towards the end of June, I mean, presumably it'll just be, well, they continue to discuss, they meaning the UK Parliament, uh, in the eyes of the Europeans, our continental Europeans. Um, debate the path forward without any real clarity uh, well that's right I think the I mean really this review in June was only really put in to appease uh, Emmanuel Macron right. who was pushing for a very short deadline yes but other European leaders wanted to simply uh, kick Brexit into the long grass for a little while just to create some breathing space to talk about other things that matter uh, like the EU uh, elections 
And um, and from the point of view of um, uh, sterling, uh, it continues to be kind of in this sort of vice-like grip, trading more or less around 130. Um, and so that opinion poll continues to be uh, one that is kind of stuck. Uh, exactly. I, I don't really see it breaking out one way or, or the other. I think most market participants are now just waiting for any real news, uh, but we haven't had any in quite a long time. And the, the sort of underlying damage to uh, both investor confidence in the UK and investment confidence by UK corporates as they try and plan for the future, that continues to grow? Uh, it, it, the concerns continue, but of course, you can't uh, cut investment indefinitely. Uh, in fact, the latest uh, GDP figures you mentioned earlier did show a slight pickup in business investment in the first quarter. Now, uh, that may have been driven by more domestic companies rather than international companies. I'm sure that was the case. Um, but it did end the four consecutive quarters of, of declines in, in, in absolute business investment. Right. So there was a level of kind of, I have now got to act because I've been waiting so long. Yeah, I mean, eventually your capital stock starts to depreciate. Yeah. You've got to just replace things. Uh, otherwise, you, you run the risk of uh, having problems with safety or, or a simple uh, loss in, in, in business. But the concerns are still there. You know, CEO surveys are still generally pretty negative. Um, we mentioned the buildup of inventories in the UK. Um, had... Uh, if if the those inventories unwind in the next quarter, we would see UK GDP down probably a percentage point, a whole percentage point. Um, so it just highlights the, the huge amount of activity that's gone into just simply getting ready for Brexit, all of which is probably not very productive. Uh, productive. Yeah. Um, all we're doing is we've produced lots of goods and imported lots of goods, I should mention, uh, that we will probably consume at some point in time, but we don't know when, and, and eventually it will lead to a slowdown. Interestingly, one thing to, to mention is um, the UK's uh, trade deficit widened heavily in the first quarter. That was also revealed by the GDP figures. Uh, it's now the widest it's been, at least uh, through, um, from the early 1990s. Um, and really, it was a big, sharp pickup in imports, again, getting ready for uh, Brexit. That was the stockpiling, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Azad, we're running running short of time. Um, uh, so thank you for, for, for your comments. Let me just do a very brief recap. Essentially, as far as trade is concerned, we expect this tension to persist. Um, uh, but the core view remains that a deal will be done uh, because ultimately it's in no one's vested interest to upset financial markets unduly uh, and President Trump clearly has uh, his re-election to consider. Um, but it has to be seen also the recent market turbulence uh, against the backdrop of uh, the spectacular rises that we've seen hitherto. So in a way it is uh, the market slightly recalibrating and as you very clearly said from here um, it's about the forward-looking earnings optimism that one can can't have um, but after the, if you like, sugar rush of the fiscal stimulus that the US had last year uh, has now abated. And I think your numbers, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we're looking for sort of, sort of lowish single, sorry, mid-single digit for US earnings growth for this year. That's right. Um, secondly, uh, as far as the Eurozone is concerned, um, we've had this very encouraging data short term, uh, particularly German industrial production. Uh, and then we've got uh, GDP to be announced fairly shortly. And this could well catalyze a level of kind of reappraisal, given, as you said, 
uh, in the very recent past, uh, there seemed to be a lot of um, a widespread expectations for the Eurozone to go into uh, actual recession. Um, and so uh, that kind of reversal uh, of opinion, uh, again, has potential implications for um, action within uh, European markets. Um, and then lastly, as far as Brexit is concerned, we continue to be shrouded in uncertainty. Um, there's a kind of check-in point that was done at uh, Macron's uh, request, in a sense, uh, for towards the end of June. Uh, but the new deadline that we're working towards is, wait for it, Halloween, everyone getting their costumes ready. Um, and because of that timeline, uh, we can, I'm afraid, still expect uh, further kind of posturing. And of course, uh, the tension may well be ratcheted up um, should the election results that come out of the forthcoming European parliamentary elections, um, if those results uh, start to show yet more polarisation uh, within uh, the UK. With that, Azad, thank you very much again. Much appreciated. And everybody, that concludes today's call. Thank you again for listening.